0: Welcome, everybody, to the Bring the Sting podcast. I'm your host, Evan Birchmore. Guys, today is February the 13th, 2022. We're going to be talking NBA trade deadline, specifically the trade for Montrezl Harrell for your Charlotte Hornets. We're also going to be talking about the games of this past week, guys, as well as taking a look ahead at the week to come. Finally, we're going to talk about LaMelo Ball's all-star injury reserve selection, guys, as he will be... Heading to Cleveland to represent your Charlotte Hornets in the NBA All-Star Game, guys. Let's go ahead and dive on into it. All right, y'all. So as I mentioned, top of the show, kind of the big news item of the week, right? Obviously, the games are important and everything else that goes on. But kind of the news that came down, it was really, really sort of, uh, you know, kind of came out of nowhere, in my opinion, was the trade for Montrezl Harrell, guys, at the NBA trade, trade deadline on Thursday. And the news broke. I'm sure as many of you uh, were just kind of, you know, glued to your phones on Thursday, I was much the same, just constantly updating Twitter, updating, you know, Bleacher Report, ESPN, like trying to look for the next trade that came down the pipeline. Really the first big trade that went through and, and was the one that sent shockwaves throughout the week was the Harden for Ben Simmons trade uh, with the Nets and the Sixers. Uh, but looking at the Hornets guys, obviously the names that had been mentioned for several weeks Miles Turner, Rashawn Holmes, you know, even guys like Mobamba, who are maybe, you know, a little more off the radar, like a Jakob Pertle from the Spurs, who apparently there was a deal that was on the table uh, for Jakob Pertle. But uh, the, the Hornets are in uh, end up being able to make the trade for Montrez Herald guys. And really a move that I did not predict, I didn't really see coming because he's not really a traditional. Like center, like he does play the center spot sometimes, but he's six foot seven. But it's a little more undersized than maybe a traditional center would be. But guys, I mean, in two games, you can already see the difference he's making on this team. Like his mentality is infectious, his effort and energy that he brings off the bench. He's really been a guy who's mostly been a bench guy in his career. You know, he's primarily come off the bench. He has a six-man-of-the-year award under his belt. So he's been one of the better reserves in the league. And I think just that energy he brings to the second unit is invaluable. And really, when you consider what the Hornets gave up, guys, you gave up two players who were pretty much out of the rotation. Like Ish Smith was sometimes in the rotation. Vernon Carey was not in the rotation. And then a second-round draft pick who, you know, based on what second-round picks typically become – you, you know, what are you really giving up? So when you think about that for a known commodity in Montrezl Harrell, and Mitch Kupchak mentioned this after the deal, he said that there were other deals on the table that we could have done, and we were looking for guys who were on expiring deals so that we don't have to sacrifice, you know, a whole lot of the future in making a deal. So I think Montrez really fits that bill you know, pretty much perfectly where he is on an expiring deal. So it's kind of like a tryout, if you will, like an extended tryout the rest of the season to see is Montrez going to be a guy who fits the long-term plans for the Hornets. And I mean, early returns are very positive. I mean, he was terrific in the game against the Pistons, had 15 points. Then last night against the Grizzlies goes for 20 points, uh, nine rebounds. So just bringing that energy off the bench guys. And again, like I mentioned, like his mentality, is infectious to this group. You could tell, like the energy changed when Trez got in the game, and, and he's really a terrific guy in the pick and roll with Lamelo, which is kind of what we've been looking for in a big man. You, you know, it's kind of he he like kind of solves like half of the problems that were out there, like the defense, especially the interior defense. Like he obviously plays hard. He's just six foot seven, so he's not like the seven foot rim protector that you are, you know, wanting to get. But again, on the offensive end, he's really really good in the pick and roll. He's his field goal percentage is excellent. It was fourth highest in the NBA, you know, when he was acquired. So elite finisher in the paint. He's a good free throw shooter for, you know, being a big guy. He he shoots six, uh, pardon me, 72% from the foul line, you know, when he got to Charlotte. So he's not going to be a late game liability at the free throw line. I know kind of coming down the stretch last night, he was he was making his free throws at a good clip last night. So you just think about that. He, again, he went seven of eight in the game against Memphis last night. Uh, from the field guys. So, I I mean, I think he's just an excellent fit. And and then, again, consider what you gave up to get him was Ish Smith, who sometimes played, sometimes had, like, you know, DNP coaches' decisions, had the good game against the Lakers a few weeks ago, but really, like, was not a long-term piece for this team. He's a veteran and, you know, a good locker room guy, but wasn't really a guy that was going to take you anywhere or change life. Vernon Carey, who was mostly with the Swarm, and then a second-round pick, so, again, you pretty much traded guys who weren't really providing a whole lot to you for a guy who's already provided a lot for you. So, again, I, I can't say it's like an A-plus because it's very rare to get like an A-plus transaction. Uh, but, you know, a, a B-plus, I think, is a very solid grade to, to assign to that trade. Like, I think it was a good trade for the Hornets to make. I'm glad they didn't give up too much to go out for a guy like a Jakob Purgel where the uh, reported deal was, I believe it was P.J. Washington, some picks, and Kai Jones. I'm not ready to give up on the Kai Jones experiment, guys. Like, I know it's the G League, but just watching that guy's tape and watching the film on him, and, uh, look, I know he's raw. I know he's still a couple years away probably from being – from doing this at the NBA level on a consistent basis. But the tools are there. Like, the tools are in the toolbox. Guys, like, I'm not ready to give up on him. Because you think about just, like, guys who – like, a Christian Wood, who is another guy who is rumored to be coming to Charlotte. Well, you already had Christian Wood back in the day and, and moved off him. So, like, I'm just thinking that you don't want to – there's a certain point at which, you, you know, you kind of have to just, like, move on from some guys. And I'm not saying you should should, like, never do that. But just especially, guys, Kai Jones and JT Thor, like, pass the eye test. I'm not ready to just have them as guys you throw into a trade Right now, because I I think you'd be selling low a little bit on those guys. That's kind of what I'm trying to get at here. And and then again, like a JT Thor, who I just mentioned, showed you last night. I mean, he was playing down the stretch in a close game against the Grizzlies, who are the three seed in the West. So, I mean, terrific stuff out of the rookie in JT Thor, guys. Book night, played some more minutes last night, kind of out of necessity, guys, where, you know, you're down Cody Martin. Obviously, you're down Gordon Hayward right now and you're down Jalen McDaniel still. So that's three guys right there all perimeter guys, so you're going to need Booknight to step up in the absence of those other guys. Like, you're really going to need him. And when you go back to, like, the incident he had with Borrego and all, like, guys, I think James Booknight just has, like, some fire in him. And I don't think that's a bad thing. It's just about, like, kind of honing that toward performance, right, like, and channeling that in a way where he plays with that same fire on the court, which I think he does. So, again, you're really going to need him coming down the stretch run of this season, especially – You know, I mean, we'll see kind of when some of those other guys are able to get back from injury. It sounds like Gordon Hayward's going to be gone for a while. You know, I'm really crossing my fingers that he can come back sooner rather than later, guys. Unfortunately, another ankle injury for him. And guys, it's just like, freak accidents that happen. I mean, Gary Trent lands on him and, and he hurts his ankle. Like, I mean, that could have happened to anybody. So it's not like Gordon Hayward is just, like, not prepared and that's why he's getting hurt or he's, like, not taking care of himself or he's doing things that are that are careless. Like, I mean, I, th- I just think he has horrible injury luck and I hate that for him because he's a really important player. He's a really good player. And, and again, like, you know, we wish him a quick recovery, a speedy recovery to get back and help this team out because they're going to need him. Uh, guys, it, it, and it's really tough. You, again, he gets hurt. You lose to the Raptors. You lose to the Bulls. You gave the Bulls a good fight, I think. For you know, you were short-handed, obviously, and they're they're just a better team than you at the moment. But getting a win against the Pistons on Friday, I talked about this on Twitter, guys. Where sometimes a win is more important than just adding one more win to the win column. Like sometimes it means more than just the the literal benefit you get in the standings and what i mean by that is like i compared it to when you're going through a cold a cold stretch shooting the ball right like a three-point shooter if he misses like six shots in a row just like seeing the ball go through the hoop you know it's just one shot it counts the same amount of points but like just seeing that and what that can do for your confidence your mojo your swagger the morale within your locker room like i think that's much the same as getting a win does for your team. And I know it was the Pistons. I know you've beaten them for like, what is it? 15 now times in a row, I believe it is uh, against the Pistons and, and they have the least wins of any NBA team. So like, again, I'm not saying this is like some signature win or anything, but you had lost six in a row guys. It was just so good to, to get a win of any sort. Again, guys, it was crucial for you because again, that positive momentum builds on itself. I think much the same as it's very easy for losses to accumulate and to kind of snowball, if you will, much the same positive momentum builds in that same way. So that's why it was a little bit of a letdown when you come out so flat against the Grizzlies last night, but then you show so much heart getting back into that game. And I tweeted this out, guys, after the game. Look, I am not trying to hang my hat on a loss, so to speak. Again, it's the NBA. There is no such thing as a moral victory in the NBA. I mean, it's a short menu, wins or losses. You either win or you lose. But to come from 35 down at one point, and you're down 31 at the half, to come back and you had a legitimate shot to win the game. I mean, you're down four with under two minutes to go. is just, again, I think that shows a lot of character, a lot of grit in this team. I think it shows that infectious mentality that Montrezl Harrell has brought to this team. I think it shows that kind of that never-say-die attitude that wasn't there for the past few weeks. I think, you know, the past few weeks this team gets down and they kind of just roll over and they say, well, well, you know, we're taking an L, we'll come back next game. And that just didn't happen last night. I mean, you fought back, you scratched, you clawed, you gave yourself a chance. And that's what fans love to see. That's what that kind of infectious mentality. I mean, you even see LaMelo after the game kind of had that look in his eye where like, you know, We're coming. And and so I think as, again, no moral victories, but like that's, it sounds kind of ironic and kind of weird to say, but like that's as good as I've felt after a Hornets loss in quite some time. like Maybe all season, honestly, because I think they showed a lot of grit, a lot of determination, a lot of heart last night to fight back into that game. And I think something interesting as well is that Coach Borrego rode with the guys who were hot. You know, JT Thor, as I mentioned earlier, was playing the crucial stretch, You know, in the fourth quarter, he didn't sub him back out for miles or or someone else off the bench. Guys, so he rode with the squad that got them back in the game. So I think, again, when you say, oh, well, there's an agenda against certain guys. Like, I don't think that's the case. I just think he's kind of one of those coaches who rides the hot hand, so to speak. And, and, And that could be anybody. And last night it was JT Thor. I mean, he was playing excellent defense, great hustle. And, again, he's a rookie. So are there things to clean up? Absolutely. But, again, I'm really encouraged by him got you just you got to get off to better starts though that is kind of a key takeaway where like you can't just you can't rely on these massive comebacks like that's not a strategy and I know that was a, a really big kind of issue for this team early in the season where you look at like the net rating by quarter and they had a terrible net rating in the first quarters and an excellent net rating in the fourth quarters and where you look at that and you say okay well they're getting down early and making these big comebacks at the end like that's not a strategy. I don't think that's something where you can just plan on that happening every night because as you saw last night, you know, at some point the deficit's too big. Like you were down 35 and so you end up, you know, you still lose. You got it down to four. And, you know, something that was being mentioned on the broadcast was like, you know, the halftime score doesn't matter. And and look, like I, I do understand like what that is supposed to mean. Like, you know, it's a zero, zero ball game coming out of the half. Like you can't look at the scoreboard and get discouraged, but like, It does matter in the sense that as well as you played in the second half, you can't just like dig yourself such a deep hole that you have to be pretty much perfect to overcome that in the second half, which is what you kind of had to be because, you know, you missed a few shots here and there coming down the stretch. And again, like that margin for error just shrinks to being microscopic when you have such a big deficit to overcome. But again, I was kind of encouraged by last night. Like, to be quite honest, Memphis is a terrific team. They're a terrific road team. You know, out of every team in the league, they had the second most road wins and the second highest road winning percentage behind only the Phoenix Suns, who are, you know, in my mind, like if I was betting money on it today, I'd probably bet on Phoenix to win the championship right now. So again, Memphis is a fantastic team. There is no shame in losing to Memphis. I just think you have to kind of get off to better starts and give yourself a better opportunity coming down the stretch of these games. All right, guys, so really like a big swing in the week, though. I mean, the Trez trade, you get a win against Detroit, and then you you really kind of fight and claw and scratch back into that game last night. So if I were to take, like, the temperature of the fan base and where the fans were right now, like, again, you're 500 right now, you're ninth in the East, but, like, sitting here today on Sunday compared to a week ago today, I personally feel a lot better about the rest of the season. I'm not sure about, you know, the rest of the fan base. But I'm kind of in a good place with it. Now, it is really important. I think you need to at least split this week. I want to go into the All-Star break at least at 500, which I think is very possible, guys. So this week, only two games. Tuesday night, you're in Minneapolis taking on the Wolves. Thursday, you return home. You're taking on the Heat. Heat come back into town after that debacle of a matchup a couple weekends ago where they came in. You scored eight points in the third quarter. Again, the book night incident with Coach Borrego on the bench so is revenge on your mind when miami comes to town maybe you know that could really be a signature win if you can beat those guys but i think minnesota i definitely think you're capable of beating them even though it's in their house look like they're kind of a similar team to you they're 29 and 27 right now again they have you know cat made the all-star team like they're playing well obviously anthony edwards is there and and i mean they got some pieces but you know i think that's a winnable game Again, right now they actually sit at 7th in the West, so right now they would be a play-in team, but again, a very viable team. Like You can't take them lightly, but I do like that matchup. I think, again, if you come out with that fire, that same intensity that you had in that second half last night, I think you can get the job done, and you've beaten this team already. Now, granted, it was in November. It was on your home court, but again, you've shown you can beat these guys. Got to get to the All-Star break 500, guys. I think that should be your goal. Again, you don't want to say you ever want to, project that you're going to lose like ideally you'd sweep this week and be two and zero. but you know at worst case i think you need to at least split this week get into the all-star break hopefully get some guys back you know who have been out for a while rest up a little bit kind of you know recoup if you will get some time off and come back after that all-star break ready to hit the ground running and close out the season you know on a positive note on a good stretch right and again kind of another big highlight of the week guys lamello ball makes the all-star game as an injury replacement. Now, this was one that was kind of not a total shock. I mean, I was, you know, we were all disappointed. He didn't get voted in initially, but we knew there would have to be an injury replacement for Kevin Durant. So, interlamello ball, guys, and really not shocked in the sense that his style of play really is perfect for, like, an all-star game setting. You know, he's flashy, he's really fun to watch, very, you know... Has a big personality. Uh, And so I think, you know, that's a good choice. Adam Silver hats off for kind of understanding the temperature of the room and knowing what putting LaMelo in the all-star game would mean. And again, guys, like if you look at the uh, postseason standings right now of the top 10 teams in both conferences, so if the season ended today, which teams would be in the postseason, every team besides the Hornets had an all-star or had a guy out with injury who would have been an all-star. Most likely, again, what I mean by that is Charlotte had nobody until Lamelo got voted in. Every other team in the East had a guy, and then in the West, you look, Portland and the Clippers did not. But again, Dame, if he was healthy, would have been in the play. Uh, pardon me, would have been in the All Star game, and the Clippers, one or both of Kawhi and Paul George, would have certainly been in the All Star game. So again, when you look at it, like the Hornets were the only team with a non-injury related absence from the all-star game roster so really exciting that Lamelo makes it guys i'm sure we'll all be fascinated to check that out he'll be on team durant for the game so again i'm really excited about all-star weekend i love all-star weekend it'll be super fun to watch again i love that the team kind of gets to rest a little bit and and just kind of catch their breath a little bit you know life in the nba i can't imagine you know you're on planes every other night and you're traveling you're away from your family and you know you're staying in hotel rooms all the time and like it's good just to kind of get a break from all that for even just a few days so you know really excited for the guys get that opportunity go watch lamelo in that all star game up in cleveland guys uh, the fan base is psyched i mean that just shows uh, again not that like just kind of the, the the relevance of this franchise and again like he he is a superstar right And i know kimba had made all star games and again I, I mentioned this as no dis or slight whatsoever to Kemba. He's just a different a different kind of dude than LaMelo. Like, Kemba's kind of that rare superstar that had, had like a role player's mentality almost, and not in a bad way. Like, he was just a grinder, very much like low-key kind of guy, not very flashy, kind of played like an old-school kind of a game. Whereas LaMelo, like, he's flash, he's pizzazz, he's box office, you know, marquee. And I'm not saying one is better or worse than the other, just kind of different. Different styles, if you will. So, again, though, like getting a guy in the all-star game, I think really shows some legitimacy to Charlotte and what's going on here. And I think it kind of draws more attention to a team that, let's be honest, like for a lot of years, Charlotte's not been a franchise that people really have a reason to pay attention to unless you're a fan. You know, if you were some, let's just say like a Nuggets fan or a Blazers fan or even like a Knicks fan or a Bulls fan or somebody in, in another city rooting for another team, just like what reason would you really have to pay a whole lot of attention to Charlotte, you know, so I think LaMelo is changing that. I think the culture is changing in a good way. And, and, you know, it's really exciting to watch, to be a fan of, to cover, you know, with the podcast. So it's very exciting stuff that's going on here in the Queen City. All right, guys, so that will wrap it up for this portion of the episode. So if you remember a few weeks ago, we had Terry host of the Buzz Boys podcast on as a guest. We are excited to have Terry back on again on this week's episode to recap the Montrez Herald trade, as well as the weekend review of the games that happened, the Grizzlies game last night. Look ahead to the All-Star game, guys, and kind of talk the, uh, the rest of the season, if you will. So very excited that Terry could join us. Be sure to tune into that conversation again at the end of this episode, guys. But as I always say, thank you so much for all of you who listen to the podcast, for all of the support, the streams, guys. I think we're really picking up some positive momentum here. So, again, just very excited that all of you have tuned in and have been kind of along for the ride, guys. As I always mention, be sure to follow us on social media. Again, Twitter, we are at underscore bring the sting on Instagram. We are at bring the sting, guys. New content is coming out on the daily on those channels, so be sure to tune into that. You don't want to miss it. But without further ado, guys, be sure to stay tuned, listen to our conversation with Terry from Buzzboys Podcast, and until next week, go Hornets. All right, everybody. So we are super excited to be joined once again by Terry from Buzzboys. As you remember, Terry joined the show just a few weeks ago. We talked Hornets. We talked trade rumors. A lot to dive into. Obviously, uh, Montrezl Harrell is now a Charlotte Hornet. I have a whole week of games to kind of recap. So, uh, Terry, how are you, man? It's good to have you I'm back doing,
1: on. I'm doing great, man. How are you? Yes, it's a pleasure to be on, man. It's a pleasure it's to good. be it's on. It's good. It's good. Yeah, Always, no doubt. Love to do a collab.
0: We love it. We love it. Yeah, so kind of the main thing that uh, I guess we'll dive into, and obviously the games, you know, we'll talk about as well. But the Hornets did swing a trade at the deadline. And for, for Montrez Harrell, who was a guy who I don't really think a whole lot of people, like, saw that move coming. I, I don't think, you know, the rumors that you saw was maybe, like, Miles Turner or maybe, like, Rashawn Holmes. Uh, but Montrez wasn't really a guy who I don't think most people really, you know, predicted that he would be traded. Uh, but I loved the move. Like when I saw it, I got really excited. You know, he is he's not really a he didn't really fix your center problem. But, man, like, he, had, he he's just a dog on the court. Like that mentality, you can already tell it's it's rubbing off on some of these other dudes. What did you think about the trade? Um, honestly, I love the trade and I could predict I did
1: see it coming just a little bit. I did um, my YouTube video where I did my uh, trade prediction. I had like the five main guys that I wanted to go after. And then I had three honorable mentions. And he was one of my honorable mentions. And the reason he was that was because he was on an expiring deal. And yep. I thought we were kind of looking for somebody with a little bit more security. And that's why I thought we would target Rashawn Holmes. But Mitch Kupchak said in his introductory press conference that um they only targeted guys on expiring deals. Mm -hmm. So I guess he was trying to keep some financial flexibility. So, you know, I think it was a great move. And for what we gave up, bro, even if he does walk this summer, who cares? Yeah, no doubt. Ish ish and burn two borderline G League players. And now yesterday I saw that we also included, um, I think, a 2023 second second round round pick. pick. Yeah. But, I mean, who cares? Our first round is barely played now. Who who cares? So – I have no problem with anything that we gave up because we didn't mortgage our future and he can help us now, as we've already seen immediate impact. And I mean, I know he's undersized, but I do think he helps our center position, though. Yeah, yeah. He he can be a 20 and 10 guy if you give him 30 minutes. Right. he, He almost did that last night. He had 20 and nine. And Plumley stole a couple of his rebounds, too. So, he he could have gotten for real. So, yeah, I love the move, man. I think we re-signed him this offseason. I I do. I'm hoping so. Yeah,
0: just, you know, it's hard to – can't really put a number on it, but, like, just that mentality. Like, he is a a dog out on the court, and I think that that rubs off on the other dudes. Like, I think that not trying to, like, throw Mason under the bus, but I just think it's different. Like, Trez is one of those dudes who, like – People know what Trez is about, like, on the court. He,
1: he's always and, fired yeah. up. He's always screaming. He's always yelling. You don't see that from Tom Lee.
0: Yeah, and I remember even back uh, to his college days at Louisville. Uh, it was the year they – I guess technically the NCAA took it away uh, for the whole Rick Pitino thing, but they were in the championship game, and he, he was, like, throwing down alley-oop dunks. And, 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 like, he was just the guy who totally, like, turned momentum, you know, in that game. And like you're saying, you really don't give up anything. I mean, like Vern, who is in the G League-ish, who like hardly, you know, like was getting zero minutes a lot of nights, and a second-round pick who is probably just going to be like another guy who ends up in the G League. So, and I'm with you where like I think in the NBA you have to – I just think like getting something – getting a proven player is worth giving up what someone might – become because like is there a chance that Vernon Carey turns out to be some you know amazing player like you know there there might be like a small chance but like you know it, it's worth that risk to go out and get Trez because you know what Trez is
1: yeah you know he's yeah, like he, a sure thing you know what he is and he just brings in an immediate um veteran presence and um even Terry year, he literally said, he's like, bro, people are already listening to him. He's already like the voice of the locker room. Yeah, we, no doubt. We have a, you know, this is a young team. We are still the fifth youngest team in the NBA before this move. And, you know, when you're young, you're not necessarily going to be a vocal leader. You know, you might be trying to lead by example, but it takes, you know, a veteran parent to speak up and make people listen to you. And um, I, I think, Ted Rozier was kind of that for us, but you bring in somebody like matre's Harrell. he's vocal. And even, like, his first game before the tip-off, he was just dapping everybody up and, like, just riling them up. Right. That's just what you need. And one thing about him, he didn't even have to play in um, that Detroit game. Like, he was already in Charlotte, which I didn't know. He was already in Charlotte. He could have just stayed the night there and waited for the Grizzlies game, but he personally flew to Detroit to play with us that first night. So that just shows – the fight right there like I want to be on the court with you guys
0: yeah no doubt I was going to mention that too like the and uh Del Curry and Eric Collins talked about it on the broadcast for the Pistons game it was like he wasn't required to be there you know and a lot it was literally one day after the trade so like you know go go say goodbye to your old teammates or whatever like get ready to to make the move to Charlotte but yeah he was like the one he's no like I'm gonna play in the game I'm on the team now the team needs me and you could just tell, like, that rubbed off on the other dudes. And, like, granted, Detroit's not a good team, but, like, you know, just you could tell, like, the energy was different The energy with Trez there.
1: The energy was crazy. And the energy that we saw in that second half was what we saw in that Pistons game. But it was just, right. we got such a poor start where it's, like, the same ugly problems keep rearing their head. Like, bro, we can't have quarters where we're having 15 points, 20 points, stuff like that. Cause then you have you have a flawless second half and it still results in a loss.
0: Yeah, it's like too little, too late. Like you're saying, you can't just rely on some, you know, like miracle comeback every single game. Like like you're saying, and you get yourself down by 35 to the Grizzlies, who are a really, really good team. Like it's not some scrubs, you know, like they're third in the West and tearing things up right now. So you, you know. I, saw, I saw your tweet
1: where you said we should we should um be modeling after them. That's my thing.
0: Yeah. Like, and not to say like you need to like copy the way they play or anything, but like, you know, I hear this from fans and it drives me crazy. Like, well, Charlotte's a small market. We've never been good. So like what, you know, we just like shouldn't expect to be good. It's like, just because you've not been good, like what are you like required to be bad forever? Like, is that, that's kind of like what they're saying. And I just don't agree with that. Cause it's not like Memphis is some team that like a lot of the free agents are want to go to, yeah. you know, yeah. they just kind of get like the right guys like Zach Randolph, you know, who was really, really talented, but he kind of needed to get to a team where he was like, you know, kind of in a good role and like Tony Allen, you know, guys like that who just kind of like fit what they were about. They're not getting, you know, the LeBrons or KDs or whatever, like in free agency, they just get like the right guys. Yep, who fit the right what they have going on. Yep, getting the right
1: pieces. It's big and drafting as well. Like with where they are now, everybody is a draft pick. Everybody right. is an in-house draft pick that they've developed. And I mean, like, look at what Brandon Clark was for them a few years back. Then it was Dylan Brooks. Now it's Bane. It's just like every year, just some young guy just pops for them, and you're like, who's right. this guy? <laughs> yeah. and, and then that's just, like, that's what we've been needing ourselves. And with these draft picks now, it's like they're not seeing the floor. and Now they kind of are. And we saw last night, like, JT and Book, like, the impact that they had. Book Man, didn't uh, have a most efficient shooting night. But when we did the, fir- the like, lineup, it was Mellow, Book, JT, um, Harold, and Plumlee. That started the comeback. That started the comeback. Then we swapped out Book and brought in Terry, but it was like that started. So, you know, it's important to develop these young pieces, this whole young core.
0: Yeah, like you're saying, like – and I thought to myself, like, I I don't – I like watching this team, so I'm not saying, like, I'm ready to jump to the future. But, man, I just get so excited thinking about Thor and Kai Jones. Like, I was so glad we didn't – I saw the rumor uh, that there was a trade on the table for Pirtle from the Spurs – but Kai Jones would have been part of the trade, and I'm glad we didn't do that. Because man, I, I'm—I know it's in the G League. I know like the competition at the best that he's doing it against. But just like watching his clips on Dad this swarm.
1: where he destroys like,
0: give that give that dude a few years, man. Like I'm, I just like he's exactly what we need. Just not—he's just like not that quite there yet. Yeah, and people just, forget, like, he didn't even start playing basketball until he was 15. So, like, it's not like he grew up playing basketball. So, like, you kind of understand why he's, he's going to need rough. a little bit of time. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he's a little
1: raw. A yeah. little raw. But I definitely think that we just let him keep developing. And plus, you know, like, when, when it's available, I do want to see him play. Now, yeah. obviously, you know, with the end result of the game, you see why we didn't wave the white flag and just – you know, throw the guys in there. Right. But I didn't see that comeback coming. Like, once we were down like 25 or something in the first quarter, I literally tweeted, I'm like, bro, put in Kai and JT. Yeah. Now, we did end up playing JT the whole fourth quarter. And I'm glad he, he played the whole 12 minutes. We got right. the same out in that fourth quarter. But I don't know. I, I wanted Kai just a little bit. Let's see. Let's right. see. Like, what do we have to lose at this point down 35? Now, obviously, we almost put up a crazy comeback, but we put off the comeback with a wonky lineup that you wouldn't have expected. So it's right. like, you know, Kai could have been one of those guys firing people up and you just never know what could have happened. Yeah. Know. Yeah, like, no doubt. And blowouts or even in big wins, it's like, let's put the guys in there. We'll be up 30 and still not play the young guys. That bothers me. Like, yeah. Yeah, no to doubt. see them against NBA competition, even if it's just for five or six minutes, we need to see that.
0: I mean, that's how you get better. That's what I'm saying. Like. Yeah. And I compare it to, like, you know, when I played, like, high school. And in ninth grade, you practice against, you know, the 10th, 11th, and 12th graders. And, like, you know, you're probably, like, not the best player on the court or whatever. But, you know, you got to – like, that's how you get better. You go against people who are better than you. And that pretty much, like, forces you to improve. And if you just play people who are not as good as you, you know, it would be, like, me going and playing, like – Against like little kids or something, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's what I like. I, I think like yeah, I'm, I'm on board with you. Like even like blowout games, like putting Kai in, like that's really valuable
1: experience. It's like to me, the last you know you doing it for the last two minutes or minute and thirty seconds, man, that's not enough. That's yeah. nothing. And even um like last game where Terry had the triple double. And even last night, he was only, I think, one assist away or one rebound away. He was one something away from another triple-double back to back.
0: I think it was one time. assist.
1: Yeah, I think, think he assists. Though. But um the game before, where he was hunting uh for the rebound and he got it, he looked to the sideline like kind of expecting JB to call timeout. JB did that, go, go, go. So we kept playing, and that was probably with three minutes left or two minutes. I know, and by the time that We actually got to stop and play, and Kai Jones came in. It was like a minute and something left. So it was like, you know, he has his rebound. He's even looking to JB like, okay, you know, put Kai in. You know, it's garbage time now. And, you know, we still kept playing, and he only plays a minute 30. It's like, that hurts his development. Just that minute 30 seconds, what is that? That's not enough.
0: Right. That's not enough. Can't, like, get in any kind of a rhythm.
1: Yeah, and that's why. That's, like,
0: maybe, like, what, like, shot clock's 30 – or. 24 seconds, so what, that's, like, maybe, like, two possessions?
1: Yeah, and as soon as he came in, like, he took that contested mid-range, like, fall-away <laughs> shot, and it was, like, why are you taking this shot? But it was, like, he's antsy. He's yeah. antsy at this point, you know. You only have a minute and 30 seconds to show something or to show that you can do something. for One, that's immense pressure. You know, you, you only have a few minutes to even show your coaches that, okay, I can play. So you're going to try to force things. Right. And – I think we saw that with Book 2 as well. Now that his role is expanded, he's used to playing with Melo and Terry and Miles. He, okay, I belong here. I'm good. But when you, you know, oh, if I make this mistake, I'm not going to play for the next however long. It's pressure. It's pressure. And no doubt. He, was, he ended up getting a dunk or whatever, and it was cool. Like him and JT, I think they both got points or whatever. So it was cool to see them score on garbage time. But I don't know. I want to see them more, especially in blowout wins when we can do it. Yeah, no and doubt. I, no doubt. And that's even what led to Book and Borrego's confrontation of like a few weeks ago. You yeah. Know, when, when it was a, you know, why? Why is he not in the game? You put him in the game for, I believe, 14 seconds to end the third quarter. Then the fourth quarter starts. He's back on the bench. From that was my thing. You know, yeah,
0: I talked about that last week. It was, look, like you see people on Twitter, whatever, like blaming it all on Book or all on Borrego. And like – I'm normally kind of like a. I don't like to say something that's like 100% one way or the other. And I know I feel like on Twitter it's like easier you to pick just buy. Yeah. yeah. But my thing is like with Book, and I talked about this last week on uh, last week's episode was like, I'd rather him have that fire. You know what I'm saying? Like, it would bother yeah. me a little bit more if he was just cool with like riding the pine all the time and like had no like, look, these guys are in the NBA. They are like in the 0.05% of like the best basketball players in the world. So like all of them have an ego and that's not a bad thing. Like you got to have an ego to get to the league. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't just be kind of like, you know, out there with like no belief in yourself. And like, clearly he believes in himself and thinks he can be helping this team out. So it's like, I, Like, yeah, it probably wasn't, like, the best look to do that. Like, I'm not saying it was a good thing that it happened. But I'm not, like, really upset that he did it either because I'm thinking, like, he's got that fire. And, 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 like, if you can just, like, kind of channel that into, like, his opportunity on the court and, like, play with that fire, then I think, you know, that's kind of where the magic happens.
1: It's going to be, I mean, uh, even last night he had like 12 points and, you know, he's not the most efficient from the field, but one thing about book he's very good at drawing fouls and getting to the foul line. He's very good at that. So it was like, you know, once his start starts falling, he might be able to give you kind of the Kelly Oubre type production where it's like high teams, low twenties off the bench here and there. And um, one thing about it, bro, he's a pretty solid perimeter defender from what, from what I've seen in the few minutes that he's played, like, He's not a guy that you're going to blow by. It was a few times where he, you know, made the Grizzlies pull out and reset. They couldn't blow by him like they thought they could. Right. And one thing about Ubre, bro, like, bro, he's not the defender that I thought he was. He's (laughs) at the bottom. He's at the bottom. Him and, like, I saw a graphic, and him and Gordon were, like, in the bottom 10 of the NBA. You know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like, bro, so – and that's honestly why, you know, we might get cooked so bad on defense because, like, you're trying to play Gordon. You're trying to play Ubre bro, these, they both suck at defense. <laughs> they both suck at defense. So, you know, I think that's why Uber really didn't play at all in the second half, honestly.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. That's what's tough because, like you're saying, like, Uber is not really giving you, like, what you kind of need on defense. Cody Martin, like, you know what you're getting on defense. Like, Cody Martin will defend, but he hadn't been shooting very well ever since he came back off the uh, COVID list. Like, his shot is just <laughs> – Yeah, so it's like, if you could just take, like – like you need like good Ubre. It's like he yeah. that's what's kind of frustrating is like he's either lighting it up or there's like no in between. It's I either swear,
1: bro. <laughs> I've said that on my channel so many yeah. times. Like, bro, Ubre is either going to be hot and he's going to make like five plus six plus threes, right. or he's going to shoot. 10% and hurt your team very badly yeah. like that's it there's nothing there's no in between ever and one thing about it when he's cold he do, it's like he doesn't realize he's cold he keeps trying to shoot his way out of it like bro why are you one for 10 from three after you missed the first nine why are you shooting a ten? like why do you keep shooting yeah I, I, don't, I don't know it's crazy to me it's crazy to me but I've never seen anything like it like just the streakiness of like ice cold to red hot it's it's crazy it's, it's wild
0: crazy. yeah and like I mean I, I know kind of like the whole team like as a as a you know as a whole unit or whatever like has not been shooting very well lately like kind of the losing streak lost six in a row they were shooting really really poorly and Kelly's yeah. one of those guys like you're gonna have to have him you know knocking down shots like that's kind of what his role is on this team like in addition to you know Lamelo and Miles and these dudes, but like at least like if Lamelo shot it and going like he does run the offense and he does like other things that help you out. Kelly okay. doesn't really
1: like you're supposed to be a spark off the bench.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. like he's yeah. got to knock down shots or else he's not really giving you. a you know, a ton beyond that. <laughs> and one thing about Kelly,
1: when his shot isn't falling, he still can get to the basket. Like, bro, it's so crazy because Kelly will be like three for 17. Then you look at the box score, he still has like 20 points. And you're like, bro, how? yeah, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Bro, how? So he still manages to score. You know, he'll get to the foul line or he'll, you know, get his layups or his dunks. And he has a little package where like he'll do like a little runner, like little hook runner. It's, it, Bro, he has a couple of different moves in the post that actually work. But it's like, bro, when his shot isn't falling. It, it, it's just not what we need. We need yeah, three. no three. That's, that's why we are where we are at the top of the league in scoring, because we shoot and hit a
0: lot of threes. Right, right. Yeah, so I'm looking at the schedule coming up. Like, obviously, I mean, this week you got only two games and you got your all-star break. So they're at Minnesota on Tuesday night, and then Miami comes back on Thursday. Like, obviously, you want to win every game you play. You know, like, I'm not saying, like, you should just expect to lose. But I think if they can split this week and get to the all-star break at 500, considering, like, the recent losing streak, I still think, like, most fans would probably be somewhat happy with that. And so I think – I mean, I'm thinking, though, like, you got a better shot to beat Minnesota, even though it's at Minnesota. Because, like, Miami, we just don't play well against Miami. Like, whatever the cause – And they came in and kicked our butts last time. So, again, like, they could definitely come out and beat Miami. Like, you know, I'm not saying that you should, like, expect to lose before the game even happens. But I think if you can somehow split this week and you get a week off of all-star break, whatever, like let the guys rest up a little bit and come back fresh after that, personally, like, I would be pretty happy with that.
1: Um, You know, I, I think so, too. And I looked at these last four games, and I was just like, if we can go three and one, That would be good. At least we'll get a couple games back over 500. But us going into it, 500 is okay. And to me, I felt like we honestly could win three in a row. I felt like Pistons – I knew this Grizzlies game was going to be tough, but I felt like it was winnable, and it basically almost was. I mean, yeah, yeah. If we were down 30 instead of 35, we would have won the game. (laughs) If we were only down 30, we would have won. But – um, that Grizzlies game because we had beat the Grizzlies before we beat the Grizzlies back in November in Memphis so I know we can pull it off we've beaten the Timberwolves already so it's like all you have to do is beat teams that you already beat and you would have been three and zero going into that Miami game with some momentum and you know if you want to lose okay okay you're still going to all-star break up a couple games of 500 now did it play like that no but I still think we can beat the Timberwolves. We've done it before. And now we have Montrez Hero, who, okay, he, even though he's a little undersized, still, he's a, he's a center. He can battle with Cat and, and do whatever. And we see how that goes. And we pull that win out. Then you go into that heat game, coming off a win, a little confident. And, you know, they're not the Heat are not unbeatable. Yes, they do beat us pretty often, but they're not an unbeatable team. We yeah, no doubt. We've beaten plenty of top teams in the NBA. We've beaten the Nets. We've beaten the Bucs. We've beaten good teams. So I know that we can beat the, beat the Heat. And I don't know. We just got to get fired up.
0: We got to keep playing like we did in that second half of this Grizzlies game. Yeah, man, that's my thing, too, is, like, I tweeted this out. Like, you're never happy to lose. And, like, NBA, like, you know, it's not – you don't say, like, moral victories or whatever. But you're down 35, and you come back, and you're down four with – it was, like, at a minute and a half left or whatever. I don't think this team would have done that just, like, a week or two ago. Like, this team got gets down 35, like, two weeks ago. They're probably just, you know, calling it a night. But I think Trez and JT Thor come in just, like – it's a mentality, man. It's, like, they're, like, take some pride in your performance, man. Like, let's finish this thing strong. It doesn't matter, You, you know, what the score is. Or, or whatever, we're going to go out and we're still going to play our, you know, as hard as we can until, up. yeah.
1: The guys were fired up. The crowd was fired up. I mean, that's one of the most amazing comebacks anybody's ever seen, right. especially in person. As my spectrum center, you know, it was crazy. The Hive was alive. It was crazy. And um, even Mello was crazy, super fired up. Um, He thought he had got fouled. I don't know if you saw that. Like, I mean, he did, yeah. Like, yeah, he got fouled. And he did get fouled. I yeah. saw it on the second, from the first angle, I didn't think that it was a foul. But once I saw it from like the under the basket, uh-huh. going, oh yeah, he definitely got fouled. But um, he like Book knight had tried to calm him down. He pushed Book Knight, Then PJ came up. He pushed PJ like he was he was pissed. He was, he was pissed.
0: fired up. Yeah,
1: he, he like he's fired. He was fired up, and that's that passion that we need. That's that passion that we truly truly need. So I like to I like to see that. And now the media. I've already seen a couple of YouTube videos like Melo fights teammates. Da da bro. It was passion. It's passion that I don't want to lose this game. And right. in a Four point game where that happened. Um, you know, with the foul, that's an end. One opportunity. He, you know, that's a one possession game. You get it you to a three point, point game. Go, yeah. Yeah. You think that Lamelo is going to make that free throw? So that no call was a big deal. And right. then Tyus Jones comes down and walks on that floater. Yeah, he traveled. <laughs> Let <laughs> that go and. You know, that's the game. So it's like close, close possessions right there. We have to have passion. You have to have passion. Right. That little bit of effort is what's gonna win you
0: the game. Yeah, no, I'm on board. And I think that man, like one thing, and kind of like a little bit off off topic, but like the whole thing about like oh, like you know, young players like don't get calls the same way, like why? does anyone ever ask why like a foul is a foul like if that yeah, same thing no. happens in five years is you gonna get the call like yeah I,
1: I think, get like you know
0: refs like look like I've refed basketball before like I, I ref just kind of like as a part-time job in college I, I refed basketball and, and like you miss stuff it's not like you can't get everything right but I never like called or didn't call something because someone was older yeah. you know what I'm saying like I don't know that just has never made sense to me like oh well you know no like rookie's not gonna get that call or I know like second year player or whatever like that I hate that and I hate when a
1: ref waits for waits to see if the shot rolls in or rolls out to to blow the whistle like if it goes in they're not going to give you the and one right but if you miss it They wait till the ball comes off the rim, and then they'll blow the whistle and and give you the foul. Like, bro, it's either a foul or it's not. No matter the scenario, I hate, I hate that as well. I hate that as well. Like, bro, it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter what the situation is. I don't care who it is. A foul is a foul. That's your job. That's what you get paid to do. You get paid to blow your whistle, bro. That's it. Like that's it. So yeah, I hate, I hate to see that shit playing favorites. And now he's an all star. So at this point, yeah. it's like like yeah. he's not getting them now. When when does he get them? I don't I don't know. Mm-hmm. He, he Melo attacks the basket a lot and gets fouled.
0: Yeah, he so does. Miles.
1: So does Miles. And they attack the basket hard. And I know with Miles, he's a more you know stronger guy, so he might be able to absorb the contact and it, it it's not as blatant. But Melo ends up on the ground a lot, and Melo will be on the ground and everybody else is running the other way, and it's just like, why is this happening? Like what's this going time? on? So, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting point with Miles. It's almost like, you know, you used to hear stories about, like, Shaq, especially back in the Lakers days, and it was like he was getting hacked every time. And he was, like, impossible to referee because he's so big, you know, you could probably walk up and, like, punch him or something, and he just wouldn't move. So it's like, you know, it's, like, maybe more difficult to see. Obviously, like, you know, Miles isn't Shaq, but he's still, you know, like, he's – obviously he, okay. he's like a tank he's like coming down so.
1: yeah <laughs> it's, I mean it's the same thing with like LeBron and Giannis like, yeah yeah big muscular guys who are very athletic and I mean when you're driving hard to the basket you know there is going to be contact but it's like to me I hate when refs just ignore blatant contact it's either yes. off of the foul or it's free throws. Like, it's That's something. Like, yeah, it can't be nothing. Like, you just see when two guys go crash to the ground and everybody just keeps going. You see the players looking around like, uh okay. Like, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't get
0: it, though.
1: I don't get it. And another That's one, like, yeah,
0: <laughs> kind of building on this, like, it's kind of, man, when Gordon got hurt against Toronto, right, and he's yeah. just laying there under the basket for, like, two pull possessions. Like, well, one, either I think you should call a timeout or, like, commit a take foul or something just like somehow like stop the game or just like if you're a ref like at what point do you just decide to stop the game like i mean there's a out on you a youtube clip of uh mellow carmelo anthony i think it was when he was still he again. was knocked out bro. Yeah, and he's just like laying down on his back in the paint and uh just, like, like two whole possessions happen and then jr comes down because jr was on denver and jr smith comes down and like almost like, steps on him because he's on the floor still. He's, like – it looked like he was, like, unconscious or something. He was unconscious. He was yeah. knocked out, bro. I was, like, at what point, do we, like, sitting at the playground, like, yeah, what are I we doing it.
1: here? I don't know. Refereeing in the NBA is just one of the craziest things. It's one of the craziest things. In other sports, it is bad, too. But yeah, the NBA, the NBA is just, like, it gets bad because – they let so much stuff slide and then we'll call something ticky tack a few possessions later or later on in the game. And that's just to me, where it's like, there's not transparent refereeing or officiating, whatever you want to say in the NBA. And that's what pisses me off. Even when the two minute report comes out, Oh yeah, sorry. We blew this. Oh yeah. Sorry. We blew that. Sorry. We gave you guys an L here. Here's the report. (laughs) Like what the, what is that? Yeah. I was like,
0: (sighs) Man, your your guess is as good as mine. I, I got no clue. <laughs> I I hate the two minute report. I appreciate it
1: because like they are admitting fault and okay, yeah, you know, we missed this call, You missed that call. This should have been this. This should have been that. But it's like, is the ref going to get fined? Is is the ref going to get a game suspension? Right. Is this, is this exact referee crew going to be allowed to work our next game? Like, what is what does that do? And that's one thing I like. Refs do not suffer any consequences. No. They they could easily be selling games or throwing games. And, you know, not to say that that's really what's going on, but I'm just saying, like, there's no consequences. Like for if you time. wanted
0: to, yeah, I'm not sure what right. would stop you from doing that. Yeah, there's no consequences for
1: their actions. But if a player in their post-game conference says something about the officiating, that's a fine. Fine, like automatic, basically. So, it
0: or a coach if a coach says so, it. Yeah.
1: yeah, if anybody um, has anything to say about the officiating, That's a fine, but we don't hear refs at a post-conference saying, oh, yeah, I called this because of – I saw this. And I would actually love to see that. Like, Yeah, I think, like, a
0: ref post-game interview, like, at least go go. up there and, like, explain. I think people would be like, you know what? Like, I thought it was a bad call, and I still think it's a bad call, but, like, at least he explained it. You know, like, I don't know if it would, like, change a whole lot of people's minds, but, like, I do think it would at least – I just want transparency, bro. Yeah, man. Just like like, be honest about things. You know what I'm saying.
1: And it's like the two minute report. It's not something that's like readily available to like the casual fan is reading the two minute report. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I don't read the two minute report. I I read the two minute report with the Cavs game
0: because of what happened. But it's like I don't read the two minute report. That Um, was just man. Yeah, and I got into like I don't say I got into arguments, but like I mentioned the. The end of that Cavs game and the bad calls that went against the Hornets, and then the Cavs fans in the mentions, just saying, "Oh well, you know the Rogier play and they gave you four free points." And look, like I was like, "Yes, I agree. That was a terrible call. Like we got <laughs> but he was we but got David crazy for that. four points. So like I'm not saying that was like why we lost that game. We lost that game because Cleveland was just better. But it, I'm my point was that, man, like that was a fantastic game. It was really close, came down to the very end, but it kind of stinks because like all people are going to remember is just the bad calls. And and, like, I wish it wasn't like that. I wish it was like, man, like that was a good game. You know, Cleveland's good. Like Charlotte's good. But instead people were just, you know, arguing about the refs because there's terrible calls both ways or
1: or no calls. I mean, it was crazy because like Gordon, Gordon Hayward basically got tackled and in the two-minute report, it says that Gordon should have got called for. An it says it was foul. an
0: offensive foul. Yeah, I was like, like bro, he literally
1: tackled him from behind. Like he literally gave him a hug from behind, and like that's it. Like how was that offensive foul? And bro, I, I have no clue. And then they say that Kevin Love, the foul should have been on the floor. He shouldn't have had free throws.
0: So it's just like the contract and that blew my mind because they reviewed that too. So they called everybody. it on the floor, and then they yeah. reviewed it and yeah, like exactly. confirmed that it was a shooting foul. If you look at the picture, his back is to the basket. So I said, <laughs> I tweeted, I said, unless he was planning on shooting it backwards, like, and just like tossing it over his head or something, yeah, I don't know true. how that's a shot. Like, I don't know that that.
1: It's crazy because it's like, if y'all went to review it, the same people that reviewed it, like you said, should have, because they, they, when they review stuff, that's what the caucus is for. Yeah. In New Jersey, that's what it's for. So it's like, if y'all looked at it, And y'all, the same people that write the two minute report, what the fuck? (laughs) I I don't understand. I don't understand. That's why, like, I needs to be
0: like a different group of people. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's
1: just, I don't know. It's out of hand. It's like too much power, bro. (laughs) There's been a couple of games this year, like on national television, where it's like it's not the Hornets playing and you'll just see tweets about, we're not here to watch the refs, (laughs) all kinds of stuff. (laughs)
0: y'all ruined the game bro y'all ruined the game it's the uh that old clip of Shaq when he was on the lakers he had interviewed after the game and he said uh, he, he dropped the f-bomb and the reporter said we're on live tv Shaq." he said i don't care, I don't care. <laughs> oh my gosh man! so uh lamello to the all-star game injury replacement and man i've mentioned this for several weeks now like it Obviously you're excited that he makes it, but more, even more than that, like, look, like Charlotte as a franchise for a lot of years has been just a team that like, I don't think a whole lot of people pay a whole lot of attention to. And so when you get a dude like LaMelo and like his game is kind of perfect for like an all-star game, kind of a setting, you know what I'm saying? Like he's flashy. It's going to be fun to watch. So I just think it's like such a, it's a big deal because it, it like, I don't know. It's like helping Charlotte kind of be a team that people pay more attention to. Uh, What do you kind of think about that? Like, obviously we're very excited to check that out and and the whole all-star weekend, I think it's going to be really, really exciting. I mean, I I think it was
1: amazing. I did expect it. I knew that um, somebody had to be Katie's injury replacement. Like even when LaMelo got snubbed, I said that in my YouTube video, I'm like, there's still the Katie replacement. Him or Miles is probably going to get in just, you know, knowing Adam Silver, and the way he likes representation in the NBA, we were the only team in, in the top 10 standings with no all stars Right. So, you know, naturally, I could already see Adam Silver like, okay, Miles or LaMelo is getting in. So I definitely kind of felt like, you know, we were going to get LaMelo in there anyway. And even he said the same thing. He was like, yeah, Mitch called me. Well, I was taking a nap, and I was just like, yeah. I, really, I made it cool. <laughs> I, didn't go back I went to back to bed. <laughs> yeah, because he was, like, kind of expelling. Somebody had to be the replacement. But I think it's a really big deal because LaMelo is a flashy all-star. We had, you know, all-star and Kimball Walker who, you know, we loved him to death, but the rest of the NBA kind of still wasn't hip to him. Even being an all-star in just the city of Charlotte, like, he was not –
0: of a high-profile guy. He's kind of like – I've said – it might have been when you were on the first time. And, like, it's no disrespect at all. It's just kind of like – he's just kind of got like a – he was a star, but, like, he kind of had like a role-player mentality. You know what I'm saying? And, and like, his game was old school. It wasn't flashy, like you're saying. So, yeah, it was just different. Like, obviously, we love Kimba, still do. But, you know, Kimba and LaMelo, it's kind of like just different – I you know. thought we – I'm not going to lie. I
1: thought we were going to trade for him, though. Like, I, I, yeah. I, had, a mock, I had a mock trade with – um. I was going to say, like, Smith in the second round or something. But I think he might get bought out. I, mean, we
0: could, I we think so, too. And, man, that's the thing, like, beyond just – I know, like, he's – you know, the injuries and all kind of have hurt him in the past couple of years. But, like, I just think it's like the Cam thing. It's like just – getting him back in the building, I think what that would do to the fan base and and the Hornets are doing better than the Panthers did this year. I think like relatively speaking, but (laughs) just, just saying like, you know, and he's not going to come in and be like your main guy. That's what you have Lamelo here for. But just like, I just think that could kind of just like provide just another spark to this team. You know what I'm saying? Like he is just such a good leader and a good dude to have in the building. You know what I'm saying? Like you can never have too many, like good guys in your organization so
1: i think he like he won the award several times for like um like good sportsmanship or whatever like he won yeah yeah like that but this is somebody that you want in your locker room but i mean i've had i don't know i've seen people on twitter like no we don't want Kimba. he's gonna play um Lamelo even less than da. but you need a backup point guard we can't have tayro's year playing 40 minutes a game because he plays backup point guard and, and two guard yeah like, it's just, it's OD, though. We we need a backup point guard. Right. And that's just what it is. We have nothing but basically shooting guards that we're trying to force to play point guard. That's not what we need. We we did that experiment with the link Monk before. Yeah. Where, like, you know, we're trying to force somebody to play point guard. They're like, no, you have to go out and get somebody who can really be a floor general and just knows how to play point guard. So I think if Kim Walker gets bought out, I would definitely want to see him be a target for the minimum why not We oh, still yeah. have a spot open and I think that might be what Mitch is waiting for just somebody a buyout target that can come in and help because even Brad Wanamaker last year like he did he made a little difference he did something yeah so you know you need a backup point guard it just is what it is
0: yeah and I think I mean we'll see what the Knicks end up doing but like right now I'm looking at the standings they're 12th in the east right now they're two games out of 10th so they're two games like out of even being in the play-in spot so you know are they really going to be looking to to make a run or like you're saying like I mean buy Kimba out just kind of like call it call it a season I think they had a fluke last year they had a fluke last year
1: and even last year bro they got clapped by Atlanta in five games like y'all yeah. got a woman sweep and if you let Nick fans tell it they went to seven games <laughs> like yeah. Even the media, like, bro, why are the Knicks and Hawks playing on Christmas? Like, it's some kind of crazy rivalry now. Like, bro, Trey Young whooped their ass, and that's <laughs> it. That's yeah. it. But the way, you know, the media spun it, the Knicks are back, and they're a real deal. I did not have them making the playoffs again this year. I did have the Hawks making it. I'm surprised the Hawks are as low as they are. I had yeah. the Hawks making it. I did not have the Cavs making it. I didn't see this from the Cavs. I didn't have them in my
0: mock playoff um, prediction. No. not have them in there. Yeah, man, I'm thinking Cleveland is just like Cleveland and Memphis are kind of the like Memphis made the playoffs last year, but I think so. So like, I'm not surprised that they're gonna make the playoffs again, but like they're the three seed right now, and they're four up on Utah, who's in fourth. So it's like, man, they're they're just better that I think than a lot of people
1: thought they were gonna be. Yeah, they're they're locked in, and then I saw something like where it's like this is the highest three seed like with their age. Like they're still like the third youngest team in the NBA. Oh yeah, they're right? very young. So it's like it's their success is insane, but it's exactly what happens when you have in-house guys that develop. Yeah, like, that's what happens. That's what we need. That's what we need to be trying to mirror. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I hope book just becomes
0: a beast. I hope. I'm hoping so, man. I think it. I think it's. Uh, I think it's coming. Just. You know it's yeah. hard too because like you want to see it right away. You want to see him step in and just like start balling from day one, but doesn't always happen that way. Like I'm just thinking like, you know, just give give him time. Like he's gonna get there. I think I, I'm I'm confident in Book and Thor and Kai Jones. Like I mean, I think we've drafted well since Cup Chat. Like,
1: you already took you already over.
0: Forget about Scotty Lewis. Like we had yeah. four picks yeah. last year, bro. Like that's crazy. Yeah, and
1: he, he, he's a good two way defender. He, I mean. The offensively, and but I mean, he's had a couple of games for the Swarm, but he's like the player of the game. He mm-hmm. His buckets, but he is a good perimeter defender, so he yeah, can no doubt. Way, he can make his way up to the big boy club. Just often our need of defense,
0: right, right, yeah, no doubt. Awesome, man. Well, that's kind of everything that's been going on, man. We talked Trez trade, we talked past couple games, uh, looked ahead, All Star break, you no know, a lot going on. Obviously, so we mentioned two games this week. You got uh, at Minnesota and then Miami coming to town. And then we get the All Star break, so man, it'll be good. We'll have to get you back on the show uh, post All Star break. We'll talk Lamelo, and we'll uh, hopefully, you know, be talking some more, some more dubs that the Hornets pick up coming down the stretch of the season.
1: Hopefully, man, you know, because we already had the toughest strength of schedule earlier in the year, so I thought, you know, not it was going to be a cakewalk because I did see that rough patch coming up on the schedule. But we've kind of gotten past that. We've gotten past that now. And we are still going to have to play a few tough teams. But if we can just settle down, buckle in. We have plenty of home games left. Most of our games are at home for the right. rest of the year. So, you know, we got to get that home court advantage back and really go on a run. Because, I, mean, I mean, at this point, the East this year and the East last year are totally different. Like, last year, we were the fourth seed. We were one game above five hundred. Right. We were the fourth seed last year. This year, we were six games above 500. We were the seventh seed. Yeah,
0: East is, I mean, it's, you know, no slouch. So so we got to make a real run here
1: because I don't want to end up being the ninth or the tenth. No. If we're seventh or eighth, I can live with that because that means you just got to win one out of three games. Right. So, you know, that's what we need to do. I want to see us play a legitimate seven-game series, and I want to match up with the Bucks. We have to (laughs) make that possible somehow, like, because if we match up with the Bucks, bro, we can give them a run for their money
0: so awesome man well I'm very excited about everything uh, I know we dropped it last uh last time we were on the show but I remind the folks where they can find you on social media keep up with you on YouTube channel as well I know you're big on that platform also
1: oh, yeah tap and man buzz boys podcast on YouTube buzz boys 919 on Twitter please check me out my YouTube is growing crazy um like I had the book night video like book night in Borrego it got like 1500 or something like that. And then I just did like the Trez trade video on that, got like 1700 or something like that. So it's like it's growing. I'm getting subscribers every day. That means so much to me. I love YouTube. I'm like basically dedicated to it now. So yeah, please tap in, please subscribe, comment, all that. And this video will be going on my YouTube as well. Guys, you heard the man.
0: Make it happen. Go drop him a follow. Terry, thanks so much for hopping on the show, my man. Always love having you on. We'll get you on again soon. Uh, after, you know, all-star break and, and whatnot. Uh, but appreciate you making the time today.
1: No problem, man. Hey, man, who you got in Super Bowl?
0: Man, I, I think I got to roll with the Bengals, man. I just think – I think Joe is uh, – I think he's on a roll. I think, I think it's kind of meant to be for them. But I'm not going to be too, you know, torn up either way. I kind of like both of these teams, so. Hey, hey look, I say – I caught it,
1: man. I said Bengals are going to Super Bowl after they beat – after they won their wild card game. Or like mm-hmm. in the the last card game, I tweet I said, "Bucks going." To, I mean, Bingo's going to Super Bowl, and people we're like, "You're crazy." Now look where we are. Bengals going yeah. to Super Bowl. So I don't know, man. Joe Burrow is just a likable guy. He is. <laughs> he is. is, he is man, it's it's tough
0: not to root for him. And this
1: the success and the run that he's gone on, like he will be the first person to win a Heisman, win national championship, and win a Super Bowl, and in like three year, like right. In that. So yeah, man. I, I want to see the Bingo's get it done, man. I mean, but if Odell gets a ring, you know, cool. You know, I don't really care. I don't care, really care either way. So I'm like, yeah, that, that's what I'm. That's kind of where I'm too. But I just want to see the Bengals do it, just because like they hadn't had a playoff win in like 30 years. It, it would just be like, it would that's my be thing, like, man. Yeah, I'm I'm 24.
0: 30, like they've the never been good.
1: Finals. It would be like if the Hornets made the Eastern Conference Finals. It would, or yeah, it would be. Right. Like, yeah, bro, let's go. That's a good <laughs> comparison. Go. That,
0: that's really I pretty much exactly what it team, is.
1: Though. Yeah, I try, to, I try to support the Browns because they go through the same stuff like mediocrity for years. I try to support the Browns, but the Browns are just too incompetent. So,
0: go Bengals! <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: there it is the official Super Bowl prediction. Lock it in, folks! <laughs> awesome, yeah. Terry. Man, thank you so much for hopping on the show, my man. Though, uh, and take it easy, we'll get you on again soon. All right, all
1: right, but hey, man, yeah, DM me and let me know when you sent the link. Because I have too many emails I have plenty of emails so all
0: good yeah
1: so I can make sure to post it up here once I figure out how to I don't really know how to do that
0: but I will all good man awesome I'm gonna uh I'm going hop us off the uh, recording and then I'll, I'll get this right over to you all right.